With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host as always and I'm joined this week by the one-man Ayrshire wrecking crew that is Andy McGowan. Good afternoon Andy, how are you? Great David, things are only getting better. Yeah, thank you. yeah. <laughs> um, almost to the point where I know I'm not alone in this because I've spoken to other bears about it where you keep thinking Right, okay, you know, it's going to go back to normality soon, and, and, and it doesn't. Rangers are getting better and better and better, and just breezing through games at the moment. And uh, our opponents are crumbling like a rich tea biscuit that's been overly dunked in a cup of tea. Oh. Um, it's been tremendous fun to watch. Uh, we will, of course, get into the scenes from... Sharkhead later, but let's kick off before we do. Before uh, we get into that, with another fine Rangers performance uh, off to Ross County at the weekend, Andy, and you know, according to Jurgen Klopp and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, playing at twelve o'clock um, on a Sunday after a or the next available day after a, a European match is very difficult. Rangers didn't really look as though that they were in the mood for that to apply. To us, uh, a, another straightforward performance, never really in any serious doubt. And again, and, and this might sound like a mild criticism, and it really, really isn't. Again, I felt Rangers scushed a 4 0 victory and had gears where they needed to go up. Yep, and I don't think we should be taking it for granted because. If we looked at our season ahead, I think I wouldn't have been alone in saying that a lot of it would be success and failures would be defined by how we handled the weekend after a Thursday, a particularly hard Thursday European game. And touch wood today, we've been extremely adept at doing that to the point where you would have been forgiven for forgetting that we had an extremely taxing and challenging game on Thursday night against a Liège team that was flat out for a victory. So these are things that I'm not taking for granted and I think that we just at the same time have to take or give enormous credit to the team in the back room as well because uh, these are ties that can sometimes cause problems. Um, it was a soft pitch, low sunlight, strange atmosphere, um, a physical team. So these are all things that can sometimes just uh, puncture the bandwagon a wee bit and we, we negotiated it absolutely fantastically. I think it's a fair point, actually, you make that the game against Standard Liège wasn't a breeze, wasn't a dead rubber, um, and went 95 minutes. You know, at no point could Rangers ease up and go, right, lads, save the legs. It was full-blooded right to the end. So it was a tough match. Maybe a wee bit of a surprise yesterday that the team lined up with 
into the maybe see more changes, but they didn't look as though they need refreshed, in all honesty. And County, obviously buoyant after that result last week, obviously flying. And, and it might sound minor, but they had 300 fans in yesterday. And that was big, because it was their first you know, the first time that they'd had a, a crowd in. And and I think that there was, uh, if I may quote an only an excuse classic from the 90s, a buzz about the place, which is, <laughs> you know, very, very understandable, as, as you can imagine. And just even, you know, the supporters excited, you know, wanting to thank their team for an amazing result last week. But straight from the off, in the first half an hour, you could see how well-organised County are and that it wasn't going to be easy. They had excellent shape. They were quick to get back into it whenever they didn't have the ball, and they were quick to close down any space that that Rangers... Things that we've not enjoyed the past couple of seasons when a team did that to us. But I was fortunate enough to be in the uh, in the, the press area yesterday. Watching that you could see, and I'm sure actually you could hear on the TV... The, the county management team were constantly saying things like, swivel, eyes in the back of your head, watch, because it was Rangers' movement they were wary of. And eventually that just proved too much for county. Yeah, and I've touched this in previous pods that we went into this season um, pretty much certain that the biggest barrier to, to any kind of success this year would have been our ability to break down this, this famous low or infamous low blocks that we come across every other week, particularly at home. And I've mentioned that we are we are making it, we are making teams that have got this kind of five at the back, ten men behind the ball scenario. We're making it look as if they don't, because they are being apart, literally by the movement and the fluidity of of our team, not only our team, our squad, because players are coming in and fitting in and know exactly what they're doing and what they kind of the the machinations of the, the team are, and it's. It's exceptionally good, and, I, and I, I think I touched upon it before that it's as good as I've seen from a Rangers team, and that's including Advocates team because his was a kind of rigid four four two. There's never been anything like this, and and teams just cannot um, today they cannot live with it for ninety minutes. So I, because yesterday we got it to about I don't know twenty twenty five twenty eight minutes something like mm. before we broke the deadlock, and in Ross County as you say, well drilled, strong, physical. Um, they knew that their tails are up, obviously, from last week. So belief is, is very, very important. So that would have been there for them. And they were just starting to bed in, um, but not to the point where they were frustrating us because I thought we were really patient. And uh, the, although there was a, the, the chance with Peyton when McGregor makes a save, I don't think we were getting frustrated as a team. I'd be interested to see if a crowd, if we'd been there, would have been getting frustrated after 30 minutes. But it was just this kind of total belief in the process now that if we play as we can play, we know that we're going to get a breakthrough at some point or another. Um, and I think there's also a very, very strong willingness and a very, very strong desire right through the team. You just need to look at Ruth's reaction when he scores a goal. It's not a case of smiles and high fives. It's actually this kind of steely determination as in fucking, yes, we've done it, we've got through <laughs> Let's go in and do more. There's something about the team just now which is uh, is pretty re- uh, relentless, to be quite honest with you. So i delighted with the way we're playing in terms of uh, making mincemeat of this defensive uh, planning that we're, we're, we're coming up against every week. Yeah, and that first goal was just quality. I mean, Rangers have been scoring some amazing goals recently, but, but that one, everything about it, and, and something when I watched it back, even earlier in the move, see even before Stephen Davis gets the ball, look at Tav, he points. Before Davis gets the ball, he points to where he's going. And that that kind of suggests that he can see how this move could open before he gets in his bike and shows Stephen Davis where he wants the ball. Stephen Davis produces a pass that is so incisive it should be taken over from Andrew Neil at the BBC to do political interviews. Um, <laughs> Tav gets there, cut back, because as soon as he starts, Kamar Ruth clocks him and goes, right, I need to get in there, gets there and gets the finish. It's a move that has so many parts other than just the bits that, you know, that, that we see as fans. It's, again, it, coaching, training, players listening and players being on the same, wave, the same wavelength. It's a great goal if you watch the ball only. 
So an untrained eye, so that's pretty condescending. That's me. No, that's, that's me. <laughs> I, I'm, I, no, no, I'm not being funny. I'm not a trained coach. I, you know, that's what I well, watch. Neither am I. But I think the, the average Joe Punter is becoming more and more aware of things that if you jump back 20, 30 years, just wouldn't have been spoken about. But if you watch the ball, it's a great goal. If you watch the ball and you and the parts that have nothing to do with the ball, it's an even better goal because... If you break it down, and, and let's not get too bogged down in visualisations, but even Kent's move, so Kent, I think, gets the ball and taps it back today. Uh, he makes a dart and run, takes a man away with him. So there's your left winger, supposedly, inverted commas, central. You've then got Morelis dropping, pulls a centre-half away out of the box as well. So he's moving. You've then got Roof, who, to be quite frank, is uh, a number 10 for us at this moment in time, because he's Morelis, doesn't he? He's in there waiting for the end product. So you've got this kind of pulling of strings, Kent, Morelis, Roof, Tavernier, as you say, and then you've got uh, the space created by Morelis and Kent for, for Davis to actually pass it through this. It is a sublime goal, and then you've got the desire and the timing and the kind of killer instinct that I've spoken about with, with Kamar Roof um, just to put it in the net. I thought at the time, I was like, what a goal, what a goal, not just the, the fact that it breaks a deadlock and you know that breaking a deadlock up there is, is kind of the, the is a huge, ah, exactly, it's the point where you say, right, we can go now and finish this off, whereas the longer it goes on or if they get into half time at 0-0, zero, zero, you're thinking to yourself, you know, all the, all the ghosts of Christmas pass are coming back to haunt us and, and that wee bit of self-doubt comes into us as a support. I don't think it's coming into the team, but the goal itself was absolutely fantastic. I thought... Um, Tremendous credit to the whole team, and as you say, it's um, it's a kind of absolute proof positive of whatever they've been doing on the in the training park from the start of the season to now. It is is working to a T. The team are bought into it. The team understand it. The players are good enough to execute it, um, and I, I thought it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. On that, you mentioned Kamal Roof and the the role he plays for the side. Uh, I think he's been absolutely crucial this season in helping us to break down stubborn teams because he plays in places that he makes it uncomfortable for them. Um, he he goes and he finds space. I mean, he's amazing at it, and he finds space and he pops up where they don't have somebody, and that forces their team to kind of move about. And and the whole thing about a defensive structure like that is that you've got to keep it, everyone's got to be in relation to where everybody else is and as soon as people start moving about that's when the space comes and you do need players like Davis, like Tav, like Barris, it's like Kent who can then work in that space but he's so clever and so adept I think and he's also getting goals and he's looking at this point, you know we mentioned this before, but it's true that you just see a guy arrive in Scotland sometimes. Uh, not always. Sometimes guys arrive with reputations and, and don't live up to them. But sometimes you see a guy that arrives from maybe a kind of higher tier of football and you go, oh, aye, quality. And that that's Roof. Aye, Roof is integral. And, and the day we signed him, I was, I was absolutely ecstatic because, um, again, I've said it before, I watched him in Leeds. And it was just an exciting, very exciting focal point for that team at the point in time uh, Leeds were pushing for the for the championship. I think it was two or three seasons ago. It was just a great wee player, dynamite. And when we signed him, I thought this is it's a real sign of intent because it, it wouldn't have been cheap. And and B, I like the fact that he's actually got something to prove because he's never played at the top level in England. Could he? I don't think there's any doubt he could. And you look at some of the strikers that are playing down the road. Um, a low, at the lower end of the Premier League, I think he's good enough to do that plenty. Um, so he is integral to the team because, as you say, the movement, especially across the front three plus one other maybe, he um, he has got intelligence to do that and he must be a nightmare to play against. And I think you're, you're spot on. Last year, I would have said that if you're playing up against Rangers and you've got a back four or five who are disciplined, hold the line, uh, talking to each other, they've got a very good chance of nullifying us, particularly in the second half of the season. I think that's obvious. I think this year, and we'll probably touch on Morelis as well, I'd imagine, because his role's changed as well. It's pretty, pretty hard to hold your line, hold your man, and keep in relation to the man next to you because of what we do. Because, as we know, Morelis has changed his game a wee bit. He drops deeper. Morelis, sorry, Roof has then got space. So the, so the two of them in tandem have moved things about. And if you're a centre-half, 
Anybody who's played centre half knows that the worst thing to happen when you're marking a striker is they drop deep and you've then got to say, right, well, do I follow this guy or do I leave in the space or do I pass him with my midfielder? It just causes that wee bit of doubt and confusion for the for the defending team, but also it creates that wee bit of opportunity for the, the attacking team. And the big thing with Morelos is last year, effectively, it was a straight locking of horns with a centre half. And that's why you go to Salem Broad and so many uh, kind of physical tussles. I mean, it was embodied by the Scott McKenna tussles. You, you, we basically play. Morelos is the focal point. He's the man that's going to create stuff in and around the box. And they would put a centre half on him. And every game, that would be more or less the same. Now you're not seeing that as much. I think the only physical altercations Morelos is getting caught into is when a defender comes up his arse, up his back. And, and well, no, nobody, used... li- nobody likes somebody coming up their arse. <laughs> Rank pod, Davey. No, it's, it's, like, no, it's just like the old days. That's what this pod was built on. <laughs> Listen, you know you're not going to get a new endo after me. You know that. I'm far too serious for that kind of stuff. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, after after your baiting of me the other week about the buffs getting beat by Large Thistle, uh, I'm not Glad sure. you brought that up, Davey. Oh, are you? I, I, a few people were asking about that. About that. All, all I'm saying, who, who's the name of the guy that scored the winning goal? But Billy uh, Boyne. It wasn't, was it? No, it was somebody Haggerty. Somebody Jack Haggerty. Haggerty. Jack Haggerty. If you're going to bring in ringers and Ayrshire football, Andy, you can win that way if you want, but that's, that's fine. And he's on an EBT. Some of us have got, some of us remember when we were a once proud people, but, but no, okay, anyway. <laughs> Let's, let's move back. <laughs> <laughs> so Morelis up the arse we were talking about, right? Yeah, uh, we were talking about Morelis's arse, aye. Aye, and what an arse it is, because uh, he, he's, he's no as... Uh, there's no flashpoints from now because we've changed the way we're playing, and he's no the focal point, but he's still very important. So uh, uh, you're right, your, your original point is, is very, very true. Teams cannot cope with our movement. Now, there was a, a, an incident in inverted commas just before half-time. I thought a pretty shocking tackle on Alfredo Morelos uh, that I thought could have been a red card. Then there appeared to be a flare-up. Now, I've got to say that from where I was, I couldn't hear what was initially said. Um, there was there was quite a, an angry reaction from several Rangers players and from, from Steven Gerrard. I think it's quite clear he says to, to, the, manager, uh, to, the, to the manager, to the referee, I heard it, or... Basically, you know, why couldn't you hear it? Um, after the match, he was asked about it and he said he wouldn't be drawn on, on what was said. It was something for Ross County to deal with. He said it was something that shouldn't be held on a football pitch. And Ross County said that they would investigate it. And if if Michael Gardine had said something inappropriate, it would be dealt with. Andy, your, your take on the whole fracas? I think that... Um... I think we need to be careful that, and I thought Gerard handled it really, really well because I think in the heat of the game, sometimes you can uh, the, the, the kind of trial by social media can just blow things right out of proportion. Now we don't actually know if Gardine said something or not, or if it's been misheard or whatever. Um, and, and as fans, I don't think we really can comment. What I would like to know is what the referee's report says. Um, if there's any difference about Gardine has told Kettlewell, because obviously you've got corroboration issues here. Is it the same thing that he said to Kettlewell that, that uh, Beaton's going to his report? What was bad enough for him to he, that he heard that he felt he had to book him? Um, so I think that's the nub of it, is that you're, you're, it's a wee bit he said, she said, and, and it's a very, very hard thing to prove. And we go back and look at lessons of uh, Suarez and so forth that you, you, you're, you're, it's very hard to get to the bottom of. But, but, but the big bot is they have to get to the bottom of it and somebody has to adjudicate on it at some point because you can't let it go. You can't let an accusation of whether it's homophobic or racial or, or, or something like that, which I've got to imagine it was. You can't let an accusation of that when you've got several Rangers players saying, this is what he said. He says I didn't. And then you've got a referee in the middle that's, that's either fudged it or, or called it out. So some somewhere somebody's got to adjudicate on it. And if it's no a guilty verdict, so to speak, then they've got to justify why it's no, because they're either serious about these kind of things or they're no. And it's all right wearing badges with show racism, red card and taking a knee and uh, rainbow laces and all this kind of stuff. That's the acid test of all these campaigns, because if they don't do something about it, or at least show um, a, a process to deal with it, 
then it's for nothing. Mm. I, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't racist. As I say, I don't want to kind of say, oh, I heard this or I heard that, because I didn't, I didn't hear it. So anything that, that I've heard has been hearsay and the clubs were both playing it quite close to their chest. But what they did sort of intimate is that it wasn't anything racial. So, you know, just because I know that, as you say, sometimes things can gather steam and, yes. you know, we can make something into a, a bigger problem that, than it is. But we'll wait and see what happened with it. Certainly, you know, there was no fights at full time about it or anything like that. And I think that Rangers were happy with, with Ross County's response. Anyway, into the second half and then uh, the James Tavernier show continued. Uh, and a player of the month. Captain Fantastic, what a season he's having. Goal number, just the 16th for him. Um, another one from open play. He then had said through the week, oh, I want to get more assists. He only had the 10, but uh, he then added one in the first half and one in the, the second for the own goal. Um, just another superb display. He's just getting better and better. Aye, he's, he's, he's beyond integral for us at this moment in time. Um I'm, t- I'm trying to think, and this is probably a wee kind of shock jock technique, but I'm trying to think of a player that's been more integral as an individual for us for a long, long time, where if you took him out of the team, it would entirely change the way we play. Because uh, Neil Harm and Nathan Patterson or anybody else who play back, I don't think it's possible for you to replicate. Put it this way, if you're a guy in the background that could replicate with Tavernier's day, and he wouldn't have been in the background, he'd be at a first team somewhere. Yep. Um, so he, he, he's... He's a fulcrum of what we do, which is incredible for a right-back. I think the captain kind of issue where Gerard's first action was to make Steve, uh, James Tavernier captain, and, then, and there was, not about me, I've got to say, but there was there was eyebrows raised. I think that is uh, now utterly vindicated because I think we as a support, and I'm not just talking about Rangers support, I think in general, still visualise we a captain in inverted commas. It's somebody that clenches a fist and rallies the troops and punches down doors and does all this kind of stuff. And, and the game's moved on. It's very much about, and Gerard's been open about it uh, just last night, I think it was an article on the Rangers website about uh, culture building, how he, how he sets the tone, how he uh, influences people. And that's really, really important because if you think back to some of the travails we've had over the last four or five seasons and how... Let's take, for example, how a Joey Barton influenced the restroom. Uh, and, you know, the negativity of one can can just poison the well. And I think Tavernier sets the tone for every single player in that squad in terms of professionalism, how he looks after himself, attitude to games. I mean, his attitude is the same from first minute to 90th minute. Um, I, I just think he's he's been utterly exceptional. And I'm delighted because we've come through periods with Tavernier where folk have, have gave him stick. And I've always... As you'll know, Davey, I've always stuck up for him because I thought, first of all, it was very over the top. I thought it was um, f- flack for him, but not flack for others who deserved it more. And I always, always, even through the darkest times when we were, we were no competing with Celtic or Aberdeen for that matter, I always seen him as the one guy that if he was in a good team, he would excel. And, and it's been proven to be correct. And, you know... I, I don't know what other teams or other other fans doing south when they see a guy like that. There's no way that he can translate that to a, a higher no. level again. A higher level again. And and I'm not saying that like, I play for England or this kind of stuff. I think <clears throat> that kind of stuff. But I think um, when I watch English football and you see players that are on tens upon tens of thousands of pounds a week and high high profile reputations and you're like that, I wouldn't swap him for, for, for Tavernier in a million years. I mean, I watched Spurs yesterday and they've got the boy Ori who... I've watched a couple of times. There's no way I'd swap that twenty million pound right back for James Tavernier. No, God and, no. and that's and that that that's a a major major um, thing that we need to realise as we've got a a right back and a captain just knew that's worthy of it. Absolutely. Now, uh, Jermaine Defoe, eight hundred career appearances. So congratulations to him. Celebrated it in the most Jermaine Defoe way possible. But I was pleased for for Big Cedric Eaton, who's. Occasionally taking a wee bit of criticism. I think that the manager spoke very highly of him after the game, saying, you know, he'll get more opportunities, he's going to be a big player for us. Uh, I loved that attitude in a game that was all but done, but there he was charging away, trying to make an impression and, and creating a goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because Cedric Eaton is, um, I, I, and I recognise myself that I'm always being 
Rangers players the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I re, very, very rarely rate a Rangers player half at all. You're, you're Panglossian. <laughs> what? Panglossian? What did the day for you, mate? Is, is that homophobic? No, not at all, no. No. But uh, I'll, I'll look that way after. You're, yeah. a, you're allowed to be Panglossian. It's not... That's you, know, you, right. you won't I'll get in trouble for it. I'll take as a compliment. It, w- it wasn't a sneaky way of insulting you. <laughs> Uh, so I said Eaton is um, I think he has if, uh, from what we've seen of him all the attributes to be an excellent Rangers centre forward and I think the situation we've got just now where we are able to slowly but surely bleed him in with a certain level of responsibility and a certain uh, opportunity or window of opportunity to show what he can do is ideal because it allows him to to find his feet. Whereas even last year, any player we'd signed, certainly a striker we'd signed for two and a half million pound, we'd have been expecting or we'd been needing instant results for the guy. And if it didn't come off or if it didn't happen early doors, then uh, in true Rangers no firm fashion, his, his history would have been written before he had the chance to do it himself. So I, I like him, Davey, I really do, because um, what he's got is he's, he's mobile. I think his attitude is spot on. The fact he's been playing as a wide right striker, which clearly isn't his game, but he's been effective in doing that, which means he's a team player. I think he's going to be a player that will be able to play with his back to goal and in the box. He can hold stuff up. He can take people on if required. He looks as if he can shoot. Um, He's been missing chances, but he's been getting the chances. And and that's saying something when you come on with a 10, 15-minute cameo to even get a chance. So I, I've got really high hopes for Cedric Eaton, I've got to be honest, and, I, and, and I'd like to think that the day Morelos goes, we are not sitting there saying, well, we need to sign a replacement for Morelos. I think he is a replacement for Morelos, if I'm, if I'm quite honest. Um, so I, I, And for £2.5 million, I don't think that's a lot of money in this market. He looks to me, David, and you, you might know this if you watch the Bundesliga, he looks like the type of player that would sign for a Bundesliga team, a mid-table Bundesliga team, and excel and get excel noticed. That's what yeah. he looks like to me. Um, I, I think he's got a big future ahead of himself internationally as well, but obviously Rangers, the Rangers' success has to come first. So, yep, Cedric Eaton, he done really well that goal. I think um, I spoke of his attitude, the strength and the, and the desire to show something in that closing 15 minutes that he got on was epitomised by that. So, um, yep, delighted for him. I think it's a sign of being in a healthy place that you can sign someone like him and because I'm a football fan, I go, well, he's not really featuring much. But I think the argument back is we didn't buy him to feature much right now and it's a good thing that he's not featuring much because the guys in the team are doing so well. Hadji's the same, incidentally. Um, uh, I saw a Romanian journalist saying, oh, his situation's concerning. It's not really. You know, Rangers love him. It's just that right now the team's playing so well. But you sign these guys to develop and then, as you say, as you know, we we moved to be in a bit of a player trading organisation financially. Yep. That you've got the guy. It's much better to have the ready-made replacement sitting already there, and you go right. Okay, he's he's next in line. I, dare I say it? And I know this is heretical, but um, Celtic did this with um, Edward. The, yep. They had Dembele. They spent what looked an outrageous amount of money for the guy that was Ed, uh, uh, Dembele's backup. But Dembele was sold, and Edward just took over the reins. And that's what I want us to do. I'd love that. That's ideal. I mean, great if you get the money in and you go and buy other players. But if you've already got the replacement for that position, then you don't need to spend all the money you get on bringing in a replacement. So, no, all positive for us up in the Highlands. Then, and then your know, young Davy here, as you know, Andy, public transport boy, um, head head. Back to, to Inverness, get myself on the train. Long journey ahead, but yeah, I settled down. Um, stuck on the iPad, was quite happy watching Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal. Eh, my team's won 4 now, we're top of the league, all good. And then the texts start coming in. <laughs> then I had the longest 10 minutes of the journey, and then it just <laughs> flew by after that. I am talking, of course, about the last 10 minutes at Parkhead. I didn't think for a second that Celtic would drop points in this fixture, genuinely. And it is that thing of maybe not looking at it, you know, analytically because I'm a Rangers fan. And to me, I suppose the overriding, you know, feeling isn't based on logic. It's based on they'll win just to annoy me. 
which I accept isn't the most scientific approach, incidentally. But, you know, I'm sure we've all felt that. And uh, it's dragging on, it's dragging on. Now we're kind of conditioned to Celtic teams getting a late winner. Then St Johnson's going and you go, oh, wow, there's something on there. But then Celtic almost immediately equalised. And I think we all went, all right, OK. Here we go. And we're beginning to sort of, cons- I was talking to you, and we're beginning to console ourselves going, aye, well, you're the win, but they can't take anything out of this. You know, it's another close one. It just takes <laughs> over the cracks. And they didn't They didn't win. Now, this is not a blip now. This is how they're playing, you know, and it's not bad luck. I mean, it's it's game after game after game. Uh, we've won at Parkhead more times since September than they have. Uh that, I think, is a rather damning statistic. Now, I am a great believer in that whatever causes their misfortune is great. But in this instance, I do think that Rangers deserve a fair bit of credit for it because I think it's us and our relentlessness and the fact that I think it's dawning on them that well, we can't we can't just think they're going to slip up because it doesn't look like they are. And then something I've banged on about for years on here. Celtic have been able, the last few years, to relax and play football. And when you relax and you're playing football and you're confident, it's amazing how your results tend to be better. Because they could go a goal down in a game and go, yeah, right, we'll come back, don't worry about it. You know, and Because they knew they had the gap and they knew that we'd likely F it up. All of that plays into the psychology of it. Whereas us about this time in the season we're usually hitting we can't afford to drop points so if we go a goal down panic not just the fans players took pat shit right we need to get this back it's a 180 this is reversed they're going through that right now and they haven't experienced this in years whereas our boys are now able to go just go and play football lads we're better than them you know and there's a good chance let's put the pressure on them good chance they'll slip up that is a, a, a virtuous cycle. That's exactly what you want. We've suffered from it the last few years, the other side, the vicious side of that cycle. But now things are are moving. And I just assumed that they'd come out of it. And I'm sure they did as well. And they will eventually, right? History tells us that. But I don't think it is as, as simple as just, I they will, they will come out of this. Uh-huh. Well, first of all, it was a pang glossy, and I was quite confident that the that St. Johnson would would take something for the game. To be honest with you, so uh, well done. <laughs> thank you. I don't, I don't know what you're complaining about. You, you came on the show, I've, you got educated I've, I've, a bit, I've, you learned some. Just googled it. It's not. I'm, I'm quite happy and I'm relaxed. Pang glossy. <laughs> you, you thought I was calling you someone. I've got a belt. Uh, I've got a belt uh, coming up. So get your pen ready. <laughs> Slow countdown, David. Listen, Andy. I. I Look, the one thing in my life I've ever achieved is I got a degree in English, and occasionally I want to use these fucking words, okay? <laughs> if I had to learn how to spell them, then I'm going to occasionally slip them in from time to time. See, this is brilliant. We've got Andy learning new words. He's, he's gone for double entendres. This is superb. Scott Vandenacker's kind of spirit just tears me Spirit lives on. All, all we need now is uh, just, just to... I would really feel that like I'd achieved something in life that see if we could get through four or five hours tonight without you posting a picture of your kid. <laughs> you've grown as a human in that you're, case. You're, you're on your plums. Sorry about that. But, uh, so I, wouldn't not, even, I wouldn't even mind, but the, the pictures are sent to you because you refuse to watch them. No, well, yeah, no, it's the point of having a wife and a mother. <laughs> Anyway, there's... there's uh, she uh, listens to yeah. us, by the way. You know she listens to right, us. Listen. She listens to her hand more than me. She tells me what's going on. I'm in the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so the Celtic game, I was the same as you. I'm like, ah, well, they've got to turn it around some, some time. You know, you flip a coin so many times, it's got, you're going to get it your, your way some point. And uh, so a strange thing's happened. Over the years, I've not watched Celtic when they've been live because it's been a wee bit of a form of torture as you say because they've been good particularly in the Rodgers you'll watch them you lap relentless functioning good players loads of goals you know you, you, it depresses you to watch them so I've deliberately no watch Celtic see the last five weeks I've <laughs> 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 they've played and it's this thing you've said they're exactly right David the, the pressure on them is crushing them because 
we, we spoke earlier on about we go to half an hour before we scored at, at Ross County. That is what's happening to them. The doubt is creeping into their minds minute by minute by minute. And uh, they have the same problem that we were talking that we had last year, whereas a team can set up fairly simplistically in terms of defensive structure and they've got a chance because they are misfiring so badly as a team in terms of uh, goal scoring, creation, uh, threat, seeing set pieces or shit. They're fairly bits. I'm actually... And I mean this sincerely, I'm shocked at how bad they are because um, there's nothing in there that you're saying, ah, oh, well, if you bring in a new manager, they'll get a reaction. Yeah, you may get a reaction psychologically and mentally for a, a wee bit, but there's fundamental flaws in that squad that are not going to get fixed. I mean, they're screaming for Turnbull, they're screaming for a guy who've never seen Soro, Soro, whatever his name is. I don't even know his name. And then you know, got... I don't think Lennon's met him. <laughs> and then they've got a. Uh, Duffy and all the rest. The total, the, a goalkeeper who looks as if he's, he's a geriatric phone off a wheelchair when he goes to the ball, you know what I mean? Mm. So there's major, major problems and it's it's far, far deeper than just their first 11 and coaching because we spoke about Itton and if you to say to me which Ross Wilson's uh, kind of role in a word, it's succession, isn't it? Whether it's for the management team, whether it's for a striker, whether it's for whatever. They've brought in this guy who, I can't remember his name, but I've seen his picture for the first time the other day, and he's responsible, as far as I know, for the for the recruitment policy. And Nicky been... Hammond, I think his name is. Is it? Yeah, he's a uh, spit in the image of Dr. Michael Kelly. And given the way the Celtic are playing there, I think he might actually be Dr. Michael Kelly with Grecian 2000. <laughs> Celtic smiles better. Canvas Lang is real. Aye, uh, the Canvas Lang dome. Jesus, we're going back here. But um, so I don't think that um, they're going to just turn a corner one day and go on a run. And I think you said the 180 is true because this time last year, um, well, maybe not last year, but certainly after Christmas, we were we're deluded. We're, we were sitting there saying, ah, it's five points, it's seven points, it's nine points, and you're still playing on twice and you've got a game in hand. And you, and you kind of do this mental gymnastics where you try to keep yourself alive in the game when in reality you're you would have to sit down and say right well we need to win every single game and they need to lose two or three games the first part's just not going to happen so forget it that's where they're at the new um and and they're, they're exacerbating it with this lenin this strange lenin thing where either they're doing it out of spite against the green brigade because they don't want to be seen to collapse to fan pressure or fan riots i should say um and or, or they can't afford it. I, I think that's the elephant in the room. I think they're sitting there saying, right, if we get rid of Lennon, we've got to pay him off. Probably need to pay off a couple of his back room. You've then got to go and recruit somebody. He's got to come for the market where he's no tied up with a club at this moment in time. You then risk burning them because if he doesn't win 10 in a row, he's forever going to be the manager that never won 10 in a row, whether it's his fault or no. And that may be what they're thinking about where the likes are. Which is face Eddie Howe. And stuff, they might be saying, well, we'll just wait until next year and try and get a bounce for it there. They've got problems. They've got major problems. And the reaction of Celtic fans is, um, <laughs> it's like, it's beyond my wildest dreams. It's like, I always imagined that um, worlds would collapse if they never go to 10. But always envisioned it going to the wire and then we win it in the last game or the last two games. And then it's like, ah. A thunderclap of shock. Whereas what we've got now, it's not a slow motion car crash. It's a slow motion uh, train wreck. It's worse mm. than a car crash because what they're doing is they're eating themselves alive, and uh, they've no power whatsoever because they can't go in the ground. They can't vent their anger. They're reduced to phone and Clyde. <laughs> they're reduced to uh, tying strips to a, a, a construction fence like today. I can exclusively uh, reveal that as we've been recording um, pictures of American social media, that the strips have been removed. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, that's just shocking. I mean, it's a totality uh, in society they live in. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a cover-up from the Celtic board, which I'm sure everybody would be shocked about. But I yeah. sense now that, we, I mean, we have, the Rangers support have been very tempered and measured and I think they learned a lesson for last new year in that nothing's done until it's done and it's true if we're seven if take away the, the games in hand which I always do and you're seven points and you you must factor in 
the nightmare scenario of a COVID bomb, which, I mean, you look at Newcastle United, they've closed a training centre. It's unrealistic to expect your team to function properly um, if that kind of thing was to happen. And it could, it really could. So uh, I hope Rangers are, are screwing the world for this vaccine and have put a big fat check in with somebody to get the vaccine. Absolutely. So, so no, I, I, I totally agree with that. We need to take heart and we need to just keep the pressure on because the the, the other thing you see is right, Davey, is it's because of us. Because if we weren't winning or if it was still two or three points, I don't think the pressure would be as intense. But they're looking at us and they'll be doing what I was doing, which is turning the telly off or no watching it because it puts the shits right up. You're watching a team that's that's so so good, um, not just in, in Scotland but abroad. So the, the, you're right, they're total 180. Uh, the belief is gone in the team, never mind the support, and there's no quick fix. There really isn't, because I think they've got fundamental issues with the recruitment they've had and the players have now got at their disposal. Uh, you may get a wee bit of better tune out of them after somebody, but I don't think they're going to be um, a consistent force for the rest of the season, hopefully. Hopefully, yep. Uh, Celtic are in the midst of what can only be described, Andy, as a Brobdenagian crisis. <laughs> You just made that up. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. That's the real word. So, really? Yes, indeed, really. Uh, all the learned listeners are sitting at home nodding. Because they're sitting there mean? with a... Uh, it mean... means really fucking big. That's what I was going to say. Does it mean they're fucked? Mm, hopefully. Anyway, let's move on. A couple of things I wanted to get your input on specifically, um, Andy, as of course... Uh, the, the ideal man when it comes to anything to do with finances at the club to chat to, but also on a slightly, you know, slightly smaller, well, much smaller thing really in terms of the future of the club, but but still something I wanted to talk to you about. Andy runs an RSC and uh, has run a bus for many years. Um, at the weekend, Rangers women's team were were playing, and uh, the the game was being streamed live uh, to encourage fans to to purchase it to to, to pay for the match um to watch the match to watch the women's team rangers offered one my gels point for everyone who bought that and that i noticed got um quite a lot of uh, debate going on social media with uh, some fans being really annoyed they felt that they're being forced to take an interest in the women's team that they don't have to you'll get a Majors point, which obviously down the line will be useful in terms of, of getting tickets. Um, and it brought back to the table a lot of criticism of the Majors scheme, which we haven't really seen in operation, to be honest, this year because of COVID. But, um, you know, with, with regards to the future, uh, the other side of the coin, people saying, look, Rangers want the women's team to succeed. It's a, also a source of revenue for the club and it's pretty straightforward that most businesses will offer incentives to get you to try new products. That's something that happens all the time, really. You know, in any business, they'll say, oh, we're bringing this out, you can get it for a reduced rate, early doors, or, you know, if you you'll buy that, you'll also get half price on this. Yeah, it's, it's an offer, I suppose. Andy, I don't think it was so much about the women's team as maybe my gels in general, um, which continues, you know, as, as far as I know, actually, at the weekend, I heard from, from some of the Rangers that, they sent an email out on Friday and got 200 sign-ups to MyGels, you know, just on the back of one email. Um, and they're getting close to 30,000 members of MyGels. So they're quite happy with it because, you know, it's money directly into the club. Um, what are your thoughts overall on, on, you know, first of all, what caused this smash and then the, the bigger situation? Um, I'm, I'm going to upset folk here because I've got a fairly strange view for a guy that runs a Ranger supporters club. And... I'll qualify why I've got a strange view. It's because, yes, I'm a football fan, but there's, 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 everything's subjective, really. And, and I, I'm lucky in the position that I don't really have financial constraints when it comes to Rangers. I can indulge my passion without too much sacrifice. Still sacrifice other things, right? But you're, I don't really think about um, anything else other than Rangers. That's my main thing in my life. The, the other thing is that I tend to... I think I'm quite good at thinking not like a football fan, but thinking like somebody that might be sitting in the Rangers board. And I think it's born out of the fact that I'm quite tuned into what a football club needs. And I, and I think I see a direct correlation between how much money goes into the Rangers and what comes out in the part. I don't think that's actually deniable. But there's obviously a, a, a happy medium that has to be struck with all these kind of things because 
uh, a football club is not a normal business. It's a passion. It's a, a labour of love, and and you can't just kind of price somebody at the market. So this is why, why my jersey has become a, a a wee bit of a bone contention because not everybody's purposes or not everybody's kind of desires are served by it. Rangers supporters clubs will be probably hurt by it, but the individual that travels to games himself or with his pals or with his family probably will be served with it. Um, so in saying that, I thought that the one point for the women's game, I think it's, you're right, David, COVID has meant that my jersey has been pretty pointless this year because it hasn't been used for the away games because there's not been any games, right? But what my jersey is at its absolute fundamental purpose is it is a, a function to direct the pound in your pocket to where Rangers want it to go, right? That is what it's for, and and I actually looked into this past couple of weeks because I think Chelsea and Arsenal they've got really strong um, schemes, very 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 similar to my years, which they use for similar purposes. And this is just the start of it. I've got to say, I think that the direction of one point for you buying a women's game. You know, I'll be honest, I've watched the women's games before. I generally won't watch them. If I've got another option, which is obviously Sky or something, a game on Sky, I'm not going to watch Rangers game. Um, would I pay three pound forty nine get one pound one point on my majors? Yes, I did. A because three pound forty nine is neither here nor there to me, and B. Uh, Check that, you. I know, Mister Moneybags, eh? Yeah, nice. <laughs> Definite, definite stealth going on here, eh? No, no, no stealth. I mean, the £3.49 would get me a quarter of each shop in an Aldi, so it's all relative, so David. No, it's not just about the pounds and shillings. It's, uh, I'd like it's to point relative. out that it, would, it could get you two heart and hand um, subscriptions. For Christmas, for your yep. loved ones. For, for some, and that would be for a whole month. So, just saying, mm. just saying. Corporate show. But the, the fact is that... Um, I, I would I would have sat there and said right I can buy it, not buy this out of principle but generally I accept the Majors principle so I'm I'm doing it I've got to be part of it now the, <laughs> let me just throw in this grenade here but see when fans get started start back in Ibrooks and it's limited numbers do you think they'll use Majors to dictate who goes obviously postcodes and things like that and tiers will come into play but. No, I think no, I don't. I think and, and they shouldn't um it should be a season ticket ballot. Right. Okay. So and, and, and I don't think, you know, if unless the government are making postcodes a thing, I don't think that should be a factor either, to be I, honest. I think it should just I, be a straight ballot. I think that, you know, if you get in then that's you ruled out the next few ballots. Um I, I agree. It, it's difficult for me because I, I I struggle to talk about this at the moment because obviously I've been getting in, right? And the last thing anybody needs is some, you know, lucky arsehole like me giving his top and its worth on this. Um, I understand my views are very easy to shut to, to, to shout down because of that. So I, that's one of the reasons why on our man we try and get as many different podders and as many different views as possible because I do understand that people are sitting there going, it's all right for you. So I I will I will accept anyone saying my view isn't valid because they have a point. I think. Well, everybody's got a view, um, but as I say, it's subjective because if you've got a, the, the one thing I will say about my years, which I don't think is good, is that if you've got a family, so say you've got a dad, uh, two kids, right, or, or mum and dad and one kid, whatever, and they've got season tickets and they go to away games and they try to follow Rangers because I go to away games and I see the same faces every week. These guys have got utter commitment in the wallet and, and everything else. And the, the fact is, if they can't go with their wife or whatever, then it's a change of uh, of the norm, if you like. What, what they have to do is they, they, have to, well, they have to buy two games yesterday. They need to buy one for the wife, one for the husband and possibly one for the kid. Cause all, and they all need to have Rangers TV subscriptions because I'm the same just now. I go generally with my wife, Sarah, and she's not got a Rangers TV subscription because shock horror, I put it in my name, right? So unless she pays £60 for a year's annual subscription, she doesn't get the points that I've got. So immediately there's a discrepancy between my points and her points. Mm. And it's going to have a, a invariably have an impact in terms of ticket distribution. At some point I'll get a ticket where she doesn't qualify or she'll be in a different tier. So you're basically, and this was a point that was made to me that I hadn't actually thought about, 
and it was made with somebody that's not entirely convinced by my ideas, which is an understatement. Um, you've basically tripled, or whatever number of people you have in your wee bubble of support and Rangers, the number of purchases they need to make. That's and fair. It, that's a, I think that's a very that fair a, point. A, 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 Whoever a, made that, it's a fair point. Basically, it is a flaw in the system, and uh, it will have repercussions. But cynically, it does increase the revenue streams for Rangers. But yet, again, we go back to this kind of tempered, measured uh, balance you want to strike where you're not ripping the piss out of your fans and they're getting what they want at the same time, which is a team on the park. So it's a fine, fine line. And I think my ideas will be fine-tuned. I don't think it's a finished article. I think next year or, or whenever we get back to away games, that is when the, the, the kind of true acid test will happen. And I think year to year, maybe no mid-season, because you can't really change rules mid-season, but I think year to year you'll see wee tweaks here or there. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, for me, I, I because of my age, perhaps because you know I went on buses and supporters clubs, that I do understand when people get a little bit, you know, what's going to happen to it's a it's such an important part of us and who we are as a support that I'd be gutted if anything you know bad happened to them because of this. So I can understand why people are a little bit frustrated with it and as you say it's legitimate and hopefully it will get so there's bits I don't like about it I don't think you should need to sign up to my jails to be in the season ticket list I think that's wrong um, I think you should be able to get on the list for a season ticket regardless um, you shouldn't have to pay for the privilege of that I don't think that's fair in the slightest um, and it's something that I've been moaning you know quite consistently about but you're right hopefully we will we will see tweaks of it going forward that makes it a fairer and, and more equitable system for everybody and then on, Andy, to the big news of last week, and that was uh, Dave King announced that he is going to sell his shares to Club 1872. Club 1872 will have three years, uh, although he's, he's hinted that it could be longer, to come up with the funds. But right now, the shareholding would be around about £13 million to purchase. Club 1872 have said that to do this, they require 20,000 new legacy members of Club 1872. Got off to a strong start um, with a, a thousand signing up uh, already, which is which is good news. Uh, the, the scheme, I think, was was met with you know, mostly um, good vibes, but there has been a little bit of uh, people not too happy with it. Um, the, their main point seems to be that the money isn't going into Rangers; that the, the money would be going into uh, the money would be going into. Uh, a private investor, albeit Dave King, you know, a, a private investor I think we're all very well disposed to. Uh, Andy, what are your thoughts on on the whole thing? And uh, as I say, you're somebody who does take a keen interest in the financial affairs of the club, so I'd be keen to hear what, what your take on it has been. Okay, here we go. So, <laughs> so um, I, I've always been a big advocate at Club 1872, not so much Club 1872, I've been a big advocate of, of, the, of a fan group or multiple fans group getting a share block of 25% or more um, because we need to, and I'm taking a mega long-term view here, I'm talking about 100 years down the line, we need to make sure that, this, that what happened with Craig White and everything else that followed cannot be happening again. Um, and I've all, as MD, it's been at a live show and heard one of my rants, um, I've had a fairly blind faith in Club 1872 and uh, paying my money every month, just a modest amount, but paying it every month, writing it off and, and, and kind of going towards a, a kind of ideological end game, it trumps anything else. It trumps whether you like Club 1872's personnel, whether you, you like their statements, whether you like the cut their jib, anything else really for me was peripheral and I would be quite vociferous to people who would oppose me or say I'm stomping my my subscription because I don't like that statement or I don't like this guy or that woman. I, I've always been one that you're missing the bigger picture. However, <laughs> there, there's positives and negatives to this thing with the King deal because, first of all, it's very subjective. Um, as I say, I want, to, I want to get the 25% block. But timing's a wee bit strange because I think the price that would come with... So let's say we get 13 million Club 1870 who get that block. Then one big massive step towards true and capital letters self-reliance, and that means that your benefactor um, model, where you've got Douglas Park or Bennett or whoever it is, kind of off offsetting any losses. That 
you, you kind of have to consign that to the bin and say, right, well, um, you've got a fan group that really is the, the biggest voice in terms of final decision makings. And, and a benefactor who has made his millions and is any business savvy generally isn't going to put money in without having a say in, in at least how things are run and pretty much the final say. So you're, you're kind of giving that up. I'm certainly sitting here saying the fact if it was me with the multi-millions, I wouldn't be doing that if I knew that I could be topped in a vote by a fan group, right? Mm. So so you really have to face up to the harsh reality, fiscal discipline, what that means for the football club, what it means about losses, because losses then become a real problem. And, and are you willing to pay that price in the short term for the long-term game? Um, I, I think King, now I loved, uh, David, how many times have I backed Dave King and, and kind of you, sang his you love, you, you love Dave King. You wanted to call Olivia Dave. <laughs> King of your caller. But the, the, the fact is that we are forever in his debt, probably more than anybody, because although he's put in financials, what I've liked about Dave King is he's corralled the investors. And I've said time and time again, it's very unusual to get people that calibre and that kind of entrepreneurial uh, spirit singing off the same hymn sheet. So he's managed to do that and get through all the trivies of the the, the the Ashley stuff and everything else. I thought what he's done and where we're at just now has been nothing short of a a corporate and football miracle when you've when you put I don't know the all the variables that could go wrong there. But um I found the timing strange. I felt and this is a feeling as opposed to uh, an opinion, I felt a wee bit blindsided by it because unless somebody can correct me I never anticipated Dave King wanting the money back, right? Because effectively, that's what's, that's what's happening here. I, I, I distinctly remember him talking about this in terms of him spending his family's inheritance. And I obviously knew that his family would be sitting there saying, well, there's a limit to this. But I don't, I mean, could he proxy the shares to Club 1872? Could there be another way of doing it without buying it? Um, I don't know. Um, I I think it's a massive undertaking. I think the 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 concept itself means that Club 1872 has to be looked at in terms of its structure, its its actual being, because I don't think it's fit for this kind of undertaking. I really do, and, and the reason for that is not something where I'm going to slag somebody because if you're a volunteer, and David, you've done it in a trust, you've done it more than me. It's a thankless task, and you're always going to get folks sniping for the sidelines, but. I think if you're going to make this real and true and proper and you're going to have a company, a fan group company that's got 25% block and all the, the, the huge, huge responsibility that goes with that, I think you need to have a, a structure before the money's there to allow people the comfort that if you give us whatever it is, £500, £100, whatever it is, it's a lot of money to people, there is a, a structure in place where you can have the confidence there's checks and balances, there's corporate responsibility, it's not one or two people that control that that massive shareholding. I, I, I've got to be honest, I don't see that at this moment in time. I think Club 1872, this is the point in time where it should be taking that kind of leap from what it is just now, which is great, fantastic, to something which is truly exceptional and befitting of a 25% or more shareholding. Now, how you do that, I don't know. And people, people have kindly said to me, oh, Andy, you're the kind of guy. I'm no. I'll be well at my depth doing that. That's nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Proper corporate directors, whether they're non-exec or, or past history, those kind of people need to be in there on a board as opposed to maybe one or two concentrated uh, power holders. I, I, I think that's fairly fundamental to give people confidence. The truth, or, or sorry, the proof of, of the pudding will be in how many people take it up and I'm not taking it up. Now, I'm a contributor to Club 1872, but I'm not going to increase or change it to the legacy contribution because my gut tells me it's not the right thing to do based on what I've just said, but based on the fact I would far prefer my money or any small contribution to be new money to the club as opposed to money to buy shares for, uh, that doesn't go in the club. Does that make sense? I think... Yeah. I think if you're doing the line three, four years and we've, we've maybe won things and, and, and you've got a, a two or three years of, of better accounts without losses and you're closer to that model that we've spoken about, I think that's where you could say, right, I, I don't feel the need to, to kind of keep my money in my hat for the benefit of the club. I am now able to to 
to, to hand it over, knowing that it will not go to the club and it will help that 25% kind of concept. So there's a lot at play there, Davey, and, and I'm conflicted. I'm very conflicted about it. Um, and, and the proof will be in the pudding. The only, the only thing I can think that Dave King said is I need to get the clock ticking on this. I need to give, people, give them three years to get the money. And he's probably thought, well, better sooner rather than later. And, and, and things are looking good at the moment. Uh, optimism's high. Why not try it now? I just found it strange. And, and I would be very, very <laughs> interested to know what the, the, the current board and investors think. I think their silence speaks volumes. Okay, well, um, yeah, a lot to chew on there. I, I, I'm quite honest. I mean, if I sound a bit, I'm, I'm a bit surprised at you saying that you wouldn't, I would have had you doing as an automatic signer-upper. Well, you know, I've, 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 I've really, really wrestled with this because what's effectively happened is I've contradicted myself because I've been sitting saying here for years and years, 25% plus one, 25% plus one. It's a be-all and end-all. We must protect the club. And here I'm being presented with the opportunity to do my bit for it. And I'm like, ah, nah, <laughs> right? Which is, is totally contradictory and hypocritical. But I'm, I'm saying here, I'll do it. But I think you need to have a wee... It, it, it should be in conjunction with other things. It should be in conjunction with a full-scale um, kind of propelling of Club 1872 to what it should be. I think you need to look at what the communication has been at this point, right? I, I can't really remember anything for Club 1872 of note, and then the next thing we're getting an email to say, here, here's an opportunity to give us money for this. There's no, there was no signposting of it. There was no... I mean, marketing in this day and age isn't hard when you've got a captive audience like the Rangers support and you've got Twitter or Facebook. I think that's a kind of bare minimum. All that kind of stuff has been missed. Um, and whether they've been blindsided by King coming at short notice, I don't know. But they've never really seemed to kick on and become what they should be because I truly believe that Club 1872 should be what the Rangers pools were for the previous generations. Because mm. Rangers pools for the youngsters basically built our club to build a stadium, huh? stadium and left us debt free. And you can imagine at some point we, I, I could have seen Club 1872 being the next vehicle to give us the next Ibrook Stadium. That's how long term I looked at this. Or you could have a club where Club 1872 where you've got £40,000, £50 a, a month, a year. You know, and, and there you've got a, a, a big a non-investor, a non-individual nest egg to meet any losses we meet uh, any other year and then you can you can run the, the, the club in the red or if we have a bad year in Europe and we've got a loss you can turn to the fans and then we increase our shareholding. That's where I, I would have envisaged Club 1872 being. I don't know if they've missed the boat with that window of opportunity because you'd like to have thought that through the, the years of turmoil when it felt so rawest rawest is that a word? <laughs> it is now. It is now. It felt so raw that that's where when the opportunity would have been to, to get folk to act with their heart, to put their hand in their pocket. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see where they go over here. year. It just feels a bit flimsy, and uh, I don't think the timing is right, because I think, well, we know we're going to have losses. We're still going to need investors to help us. The investors are the things that make me sleep at night, because if, they're, if they turn around and say, oh, actually, that's it, and, I'm, and, and, and it's because... 25% there, I'm not getting the confidence to put money in. We're in a different world financially. So I've always been honest with the listeners that I wouldn't have just blindly nod my head and say, right, this everything's hunky dory. When I see something, I'll say, right, well, I've got a concern here, I've got a concern there. Our biggest problem is if we can't cover the losses, we're back to square one. Investors cover the losses. This is a possible barrier to those investors covering the losses. So that's probably why my gut's telling me, hold on a minute. Yeah, interesting as always uh, give me stuff to, to chew on there so uh, we're, we're hoping to have an interview with uh, representatives from Club 1872 uh, we have asked, we'd hope to have it for today but uh, we, uh, I mean they're, they're amenable to it, they've told us that they're up for it so hopefully next week we interview with Club 1872. In the meantime there's an interview uh, with uh, Laura from Club 1872 and Dave King going to be posted on the Four Lads Had a Dream website tomorrow uh, Stevie and Chris Jack uh, of the, the Glasgow Times uh, conducted that interview so uh, you'll be able to hear a lot more on there as well. So my thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles and my thanks for a, a fantastic hour Andy, thoroughly enjoyed it Mr Andy McGowan 
Thanks for having me on, David. Cheers, listeners. Absolute pleasure, as always. Uh, you can hear me, uh, more from me and from Andy if you go to our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, but we'll be back next Monday uh, here on the show. Uh, Cami, of course, will be with you on Friday with a report from the Let Poznan game and a look ahead to Sunday's match versus Dundee United. Until then, continue to enjoy the week. Uh, it's been a long time, but right now it's as good being a bear as it's been for a long, long time. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.